TSMC has kicked off a campus recruitment drive to cope with surging chip demand and its expansion plan in the U.S. state of Arizona. It plans to add nearly 9,000 new workers this year, the most in company history. The average salary for a hire with a graduate degree is 57,000 NT a month. In the coming months, TSMC will visit 10 top universities to interview candidates. It started off the tour on Friday with a stop at National Taiwan University. More than 400 students signed up for its recruitment event, but only 130 were allowed inside the venue due to pandemic controls. Hospitals are gearing up for the rollout of Taiwan's first COVID vaccines, which arrived this week and are undergoing inspection. In Taipei City, 19 hospitals are on standby to administer vaccines to 7,000 high-risk health care workers on a staggered schedule. At Taoyuan's Chang'e Memorial Hospital, administrators led an information session for medical staff so that they know what to expect from the vaccination process. Standing at a podium, a doctor gives a detailed explanation of the vaccination process. In small windows next to his slide presentation, employees of other hospitals listen in via teleconference. The audience hangs on to each word as they will be the first group to receive vaccinations. You ask if I'm afraid. I think anybody would worry and be afraid. But I need the antibodies from the vaccine to protect my family. It would also allow me to help many more patients. The first batch of AstraZeneca vaccines have arrived in Taiwan, and Linko's Changgung Memorial Hospital held an information session to prepare medical workers at nine hospitals nationwide. It surveyed workers on their interest in getting vaccinated. It's also set up facilities for vaccine administration, which are waiting for the go-ahead from the government. Responding to concerns about vaccine side effects, it's drawn up a comprehensive SOP. Throughout the vaccination process, doctors will be nearby. We have also set up a team to answer questions, available 24 hours a day to workers who get vaccinated. If they have any questions at any time, they can ask online. Meanwhile, Taipei is also on standby. Taipei Deputy Mayor Huang Shanshan said the city already has a list of those who will be vaccinated and is waiting for the OK to proceed. It's roughly 7,000 people, and we have 19 hospitals that will be administering the vaccines. In case there are side effects, we have three shifts per day, morning, daytime and night, as well as staff on standby. Most medical workers have expressed a desire to receive the vaccine. Airline workers will be the third group to be vaccinated. According to a Civil Aeronautics Administration survey, roughly 70% of frontline crew is interested, or about 18,000 people. Interest is especially high among those who work international flights. In the initial vaccine rollout, roughly 100 hospitals will offer vaccinations, with facilities in every city and county. Authorities are exploring the possibility of implementing a vaccination passport, like that proposed by the U.S., to track the details of a person's vaccination history for travel. The Central Epidemic Command Center wants all hospitals to switch from paper to electronic visitor registries. Its new electronic system will go live nationwide next week so that hospitals can record the names of all inpatient visitors and caregivers. The system is meant to replace paper records, allowing easier contact tracing in the event of a COVID outbreak.
In view of how difficult it was to conduct our epidemic investigations after the Taoyuan outbreak, the CECC has made modifications to the long-term care portal. There is now a management feature for the real name registration of patient visitors and caregivers. If a hospital does not have its own electronic system for visitor and caregiver registration, it can use this new feature on the long-term care online portal starting next week. At the point of registration, hospitals will need to inform visitors and caregivers that their personal data will be uploaded to the long-term care services system and kept for 28 days before deletion. Health officials say that if the rollout goes well, the electronic system may be made more widely available to medical facilities like postpartum care centers. Student first responders have won praise after tending a casualty of a recent traffic accident in Yilan Sanxing Township. The local area is served by a volunteer team of students from Yilan's St. Mary's Junior College of Medicine, Nursing and Management. Their expertise and dedication have drawn widespread commendation. He looks like he can't move. Can you move your leg, your right leg? Okay, move your left leg. Okay, you should be fine. Let's look at your pelvis. This scooter rider was on the ground after the accident. Two emergency medical workers made an initial assessment of his injuries. Their youthful voices directed the situation competently, though both are still just students. Your leg is injured, but we can't see the wound. We're going to cut your trousers off, okay? Okay, here we go. Does this leg hurt? The accident took place in Sanxing Township. The students received an alert and immediately arrived on the scene with their medical kit. Our classmate alerted us. We are both trained in elementary first aid. So we came over immediately with our medical equipment. Our dorm mates gave us a lift. I first put the protection brace on his neck to support the vertebrae in his neck to make sure he didn't get a second injury. We examined and assessed his wounds and then passed him on to the paramedics and asked them to take over. The students of St. Mary's College run an emergency first aid team that sends out a group message when aid is required. Started over a year ago, the team already has many members. The students record their work so as to review it afterwards and refine their skills. They bought all this equipment themselves. We watch the video to see if we can improve our execution of the work and do it better next time. It's quite tense in the moment, of course, and we might not do everything perfectly, so we need to keep pushing ourselves to get better. Despite the high stakes, these students stayed calm under pressure and put their training to excellent use, reflecting a true spirit of service. How often do you pause to take a sip of water in a day? Doctors say you may want to drink more to protect yourself from the risk of stroke. The incidence of strokes reached a 12-year high in 2019, but simply stopping for a sip of water is an easy way to keep your brain healthy. How can you protect yourself from a stroke? Just by picking up a glass of water. Doctors say drinking water prevents blood clots. Drinking water should reduce the viscosity of your blood. Basically, if your urine-specific gravity is high, that means you don't have enough water, and that is connected to stroke, yes. So it seems like drinking more water dilutes our blood. 
Presumably, it is helpful. Ministry of Health and Welfare statistics show that more than 12,000 people died of stroke-related causes in 2019, a 12-year high. A fifth of those people were not elderly, showing that younger people are becoming more susceptible. Doctors say we should try to work reasonable hours, reduce stress, and drink plenty while working. Those of us who work outside in more manual labor positions perhaps need to drink more water than those of us who sit indoors in aircon rooms. So each person's individual circumstances are unique. Doctors suggest taking a sip every 30 to 120 minutes, or at least every hour during exercise. Taking care of your health while young can help prevent strokes for years to come. Nestled in the mountains of New Taipei, the former gold mining town of Jingguashi has always been a popular tourist destination. It's up in the mountains, but now visitors can, to the area can enjoy the freshest sea delicacies. A seafood vendor from nearby Jilong has opened up a restaurant in the area, allowing diners to enjoy a taste of the sea in the mountains. Pickled eel sizzles and pops under the broiler. In the same kitchen, slices of beltfish rolled into spirals are deep-fried until crispy on the outside and tender on the inside. This store's beltfish rice bowl garners much interest among customers. Its nigiri sushi is quite popular as well. What I think is more special is that the nigiri sushi has more fish than rice. The cuttlefish tastes very fresh. I didn't think that I would be able to eat such fresh sashimi at the Gold Museum. At Jingguashi's Gold Museum, visitors can enjoy fresh sashimi even when they're up in the mountains. This is thanks to a vendor who has been in Jilong's seafood business for more than 40 years. Persuaded by his friends, he opened up a shop to bring Japanese cuisine straight to the former gold mining town. I just ate the sashimi. It really doesn't lose out to the food at Five Star Establishment. I really feel happy that I can eat such fresh seafood in this mountain town. One of the many seafood choices offered by the restaurant is this Taiwanese abalone from Gongliao that's five centimeters across. The menu was mindfully crafted by the restaurateur, knowing that many of the tourists coming to Jingguashi are Japanese. There are a lot of tourists from Japan who like to eat eel, so a store has made grilled eel over rice especially for them. Not only is the store's grilled eel over rice popular, but their chilled squid dish is a favorite as well. The freshly caught squid is blanched and stuffed with golden flying fish roe before it's sliced and served cold. With the sashimi vendor established in this mountain town, visitors can now enjoy delicious seafood even in the mountains. And finally, the weather. Get ready for another chilly weekend. A strong front and seasonal winds are set to take temperatures lower nationwide starting Saturday. We'll see lows of 15 degrees in the north and 18 degrees down south. Keep an eye out for rain and even thunderstorms in the upper half of the island. After days of rain, the sun re-emerged on Friday, sending temperatures higher. But a cold front is due to pass Saturday, followed by a new round of seasonal winds. It's set to turn wet and chilly in north and northeastern Taiwan, where the mercury could drop by 5 degrees. Temps could fall by 3 degrees in central and southern Taiwan, where there's a chance of brief showers and even thunderstorms. Heavy rain is likely between Saturday evening and early morning on Sunday, mainly in central Taiwan and regions above it, as well as in the northeast. That's where greater rainfall intensity is expected. In contrast, in southern parts of Taiwan, the probability of precipitation is lower. 
Rainfall intensity is also expected to be a bit lower. With regard to our reservoirs, of course they will receive some water, but it will be far from enough water to ease the drought. Forecasters say the rainfall will be concentrated in the upper half of Taiwan, bringing little relief to parched reservoirs farther south. In Miaoli, the Li Yutan Reservoir is now at 15.4% capacity, with enough water to last only 60 days. The Deji Reservoir is at 11.2%, enough for 27 days. The Baiho Reservoir in the south has dried up to 0%. Nanhua Reservoir is at 49.3%, enough for at least 60 days. The water shortage is worsening, but little moisture is headed this way. The CWB says it's become increasingly unlikely that mountains will see snow this weekend. As for the conditions, the moisture conditions aren't looking very favorable. The probability of snow is higher before Sunday, when moisture conditions should be better. Again, I want to emphasize that there has to be good moisture levels at high altitudes. These altitudes have to be at least 3,000 meters above sea level. The effects of seasonal winds are set to linger till next Wednesday. Spring weather is volatile, so don't forget your rain gear when heading outdoors.